Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning, students. I'm so glad you are in here with us. Uh, if you have a student, middle school, high school, they're going to be sitting up here for this year so they can come join anytime they want to. They would love it. All right. Uh, I don't know if you did a road trip over uh, Christmas break, but uh, our whole theme for 2024 is road trip. And uh, so I started thinking about road trips I've taken recently. Uh, and let's be honest, I haven't taken a lot of them. Um, but I did just go to Kenya. That took a flight. We didn't drive a car there. Uh, and once we got there, we spent a lot of time in a vehicle going from place to place. So a lot of time on the road. And that was all with Fred Knoll. Okay. Fred and I spent a lot of time together. Uh, what we realized, we have a lot of things in common. Okay, a lot of things in common. Uh, one of those things that we have in common is we both sleep in a car with our heads straight back and our mouths wide open. Okay. There is picture evidence of that. I did not want to share that this morning because it's not my best angle, okay? Um, nor Fred's. Uh, we figured out that uh, we both have a hard time when we're not behind the steering wheel of a vehicle, right? Sitting in the back, just letting someone else drive us is not very easy for either of us. Uh, we also figured out that we both communicate our love for one another through sarcasm. It's a lot of fun on a mission trip, right? But there's one thing that we realize that is different about the two of us. Uh, no matter what time zone I'm in, I really, really, really like to be on time. And no matter what time zone we're in, Fred is still a few minutes late, okay? Now, he's in here this morning, but that's because he had to do announcements. Otherwise, he might be coming in right now. Right? <laughs> now, this is what I know about Fred. Usually, if he is late, the reason he is late is because he is with people, uh, which I can appreciate that about him. But as I start to think about this idea of a road trip, uh, we really plan this year because on a road trip, you really get to know somebody when you spend time in a vehicle with them. Like, when you spend an extended period of time, you're just going to figure out that, hey, quirks, things that are similar, things that are different. That's our desire for 2024, is that we would take a road trip with Jesus, uh, get a chance to know him in a greater way, uh, mimic our lives after him. And so as we walk through 2024, we're going to walk through uh, the book of Matthew. We're going to take a couple pit stops as we do that to look at a few things that he speaks about and dive a little bit deeper into those things. Um, but we hope that this is just a year where you would grow in knowing Jesus and, and becoming more like Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, you're going to need those. Um, Matthew chapter 3 is where we're starting today. Uh, so go ahead and open your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Grab that, open it up to Matthew chapter 3. Uh, you're going to want to be able to see what we're talking about here. If you don't own a Bible, take that one. Uh, it's not stealing. I'm, at, I'm telling you, you can take it. So Take it. That's uh, for you to take home and use. We want you to read Matthew 3, uh, well, Matthew, the entire book as we do this together. So uh, Matthew chapter 3, I want you to know we're starting in chapter 3 because we just got done looking, taking a deep dive into the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 2. We even talked a little bit about Matthew chapter 1. If you remember back to Christmas Eve, the cutest moment, uh, we had some kids read that for us. And so we're going to jump into chapter three. Now, here's the thing. There's a little bit of a gap between two and three. A little, by a little bit, I mean like a lot of bit, okay? Uh, when we leave chapter two, Jesus is just a few years old. Uh, when we get to chapter three, it, he is now 30, okay? We don't know a whole lot about uh, his upbringing. We don't know a whole lot about his teenage years, his 20s. Um, but we do know quite a bit about his three years and his 30s. And so that's where we'll start the story this morning doesn't necessarily start with Jesus. It starts with 
Jesus' cousin John, and the one that we know as John the Baptist. So chapter 3, verse 1 says this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message, excuse me, began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. All right, this is the scene. Uh, we know from the Old Testament that there was one who was going to come and begin uh, preaching that, uh, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near. That's whole, John's whole message. In fact, that's our whole message as we start this road trip this morning is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Like, there's no need for me to remake that, to remodel that. It is literally just the word that we're going to look at this morning. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And John comes and he begins proclaiming this, which is a fulfillment of uh, Isaiah 40, an Old Testament passage, uh, because he knows that God has put it on his heart. Hey, this is it. This is the start of, of Jesus' ministry. And I'm going to come proclaim this. Now, uh, here's the scene. Okay, They're at the Jordan River. I had him picture John's like in the river preaching this message. Um, and he's preaching specifically to uh, the Jewish people, right? This was the gospel was for Jews and Gentiles, but he's speaking directly to Jewish people. And people are hearing this word that he's preaching, believing it, and they're coming to be baptized uh, by him in the Jordan River. Now, anytime I think about this passage, I think of an experience at uh, Christ and Youth Conference when I was in high school. I accepted Jesus at Christ and Youth uh, in 1999. And the next year I went back, um, of course, because once you go once, you just keep going. Um, and I went back the next year and one of my childhood friends, in fact, we went to the same like uh, babysitter and when we were itty bitty, uh, Brandon, he had come and had never accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And I mean, what the Lord did in his life was the exact same that the Lord had done for me the, the year before. And he accepted Jesus one particular evening, so fired up. Uh, like when we finally got back to just our group time, we call it family time. Uh, our youth group would get together and we would talk about what the Lord was doing that day. Any decisions were made. I mean, Brandon stood up and like began preaching like Jesus. <laughs> like, there's things that he said that night that I have shared with you. I've literally told you some of these quotes. Like one of the things he said that night was, uh, for us as Christians, this world is the worst it's ever going to be. But for those who don't know Jesus, this is the best it's ever going to get. And I'm like, what? who is this kid? You know, like, what is happening? You know, I just tell he was fired up. We got done with family time and he's like, doesn't want to go to bed. He's like, hey guys, let's go, let's go find some other kids from other, other youth groups that don't know Jesus yet. And I'm like, dude, I am going to sleep. It's like 1 a.m. He's like, I, I, I can't, I can't go to sleep. And so the rest of us went to bed. I don't know what Brandon did. But the next morning we got up and we're headed over to breakfast and there's this stir going on. You can kind of see it moving back in the line of kids headed to breakfast. All of us are about half awake and it gets to us and there's somebody, a student who's baptizing kids in the drainage pond at the front of campus. We're like, we got to go see this. We get down there. I'm not kidding you. There's just a crowd of kids and there's somebody who is preaching. And as we make our way through the crowd, sure enough, there's Brandon waist high in a drainage ditch pond. 
And there's a line of three kids who have their shoes and socks off and they're waiting. And all of a sudden he's like, come. And th- th- these kids just start walking in the water and he's baptizing them. The dude accepted Jesus last night. I don't even know if he'd been baptized yet. Like he, I'm like, like, what is happening? We haven't even had breakfast yet. You know, like, did you go to sleep? Did you go to sleep? You know, like that's what I, I had so many questions for Brandon. That's the scene that's taking place here. Like, I feel like John is waist high in the water. He's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And these Jews are hearing it. And there's something about what he's saying that is changing their hearts. And so they're coming. And here he is. He's just baptizing. It's, you know, one after another, these people. But you see, not everybody who showed up was maybe as excited as those being baptized. Let's keep reading verse 7. But when he saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath. Prove by the way that you have repent, uh, please, excuse me, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, who is much greater than I, that I'm not worthy even to be his slave or to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with a winnowing fork. And then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering all the wheat into his barn and burning the chef with never-ending fire. You see, uh, he's preaching and baptizing, and this is all seems to be going so well. And then what happens? Uh, the, the religious people show up. Right? That's, that's what it is. It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the ones who study the law of God. They're considered the religious leaders. And as they show up, it's like John knows their hearts. Their hearts are, is this real? Like they're showing up to see if what's taking place is legit or whether they need to ride in and, and this man needs to be disciplined because he's spreading false news. And he knows that. He says, he says directly to him, you brood of snakes, right? Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. He knows that they're coming because the, the whole point is that they, they, they want to prove him wrong. They want to say what he's doing isn't correct. And then he goes on to start to begin to say, you know, the reason that maybe you think you're this way is because you are children of Abraham. And this is where I think the tension comes in for maybe those of us who've been in church for a long time, known Jesus for many years, at least it is for me. And I accepted Jesus 24 years ago now. And this is where it comes in, this, this kind of tension of like, where does my faith really lie? Do I believe because I accepted Jesus back then and because I, I, you know, I'm a pastor uh, and because I'm a really good guy that, that I'm just, that I'm righteous and good to go? Because to them, they were, although their hearts were evil, well, they were the religious people. They were the ones that had the right family lineage. They were the ones uh, who were doing everything correct on the outside. Right? And I think that creates some tension for us at times because sometimes I think, well, I, I just, I've always grown up in church. 
And I've always, I've known Jesus since I was little. I, my, my parents, my grandparents, they, they've known Jesus. I've come from this long lineage. Listen, what John's saying is that that does not save you. That's not it. In fact, if you're, you're banking your whole, whole faith on that, you're missing something. And students, like, your parents might know Jesus, that's great, but at some point, your faith has to become your own. Like at some point, you have to realize, I need to repent of my sins, be baptized, and start this relationship for myself. Every one of us in this room have to come to that realization. Why? Well, because the coming wrath. Because God's judgment is coming, and, and that's what John starts to tell them. Hey, it's coming. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And then he talks a little bit about Jesus. Hey, this is one that's coming that's, that's so much better than I am. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. And when he comes, he's going to separate into two groups the people. One's going to be the wheat. Those are who, those who repent, the people of God, the ones who in their hearts are right with the Lord, not just externally. And the chaff, which th those who are unrepentant, uh, who maybe show up and put it on like they follow Jesus, but they're not really following Jesus. Right? They, they look like they live real good moral lives, checking boxes that look like the Christian faith, but don't really know him, aren't coming before him and repenting. The way they did this was they'd take a, a, a pitchfork and they would just dig down into it, throw it up in the air. And as they did that, the wheat would fall and the chaff would just blow off into the wind. And then they would gather all the wheat over here and then they'd clean up all the chaff and they'd just light it on fire. It's gone. It'd burn up and be gone. And that is exactly what we're told here that Jesus is going to do. He's going to separate into two groups these people. And John says, you can, you can take this now for what it is, or you can leave it. But the truth is, is that I baptize with water, but when he comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's a grave warning when there's those Jews who are accepting this news, and then the religious people show up, and they are not accepting this news. I think it's a good message for the church. Why? Because most of us in here, I... Know most of your faces. I see you every Sunday. The truth is, what does Monday to Saturday look like? Because this isn't faith. This isn't following Jesus. Yes, this is a small part of it, showing up to church on Sunday. But this isn't it. What's it is every other day of the week, living it out. What's it look like for you on Monday morning? What's it look like on Thursday morning? Right? Like, like what's it look like in the tension at work? What's it look like uh, in the tension of your family? What's it look like for your kids? And that's, that's where the meter of your faith actually lives. Not here on Sunday morning when you show up for an hour to worship Jesus. Let's keep reading because then the man shows up on the scene here. All right, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John, John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. 
After his baptism, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. It's like this moment, quick moment of tension. I wish they would like taken a pause for a second. Because when you read this straight through, you just read really fast. And, you know, like me and it just kind of blow right by this. Jesus comes to John to be baptized. And John's like, rewind 15 minutes. I just told everybody I'm not worthy of carrying your sandals, right? Like, why would I be worthy of baptizing you? Like, that's not... I think this is supposed to be the other way around. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This has got to happen because this is going to fulfill what God has said. It, it, there was a purpose behind it. In fact, the purpose was this. This was signifying, this baptism is, is a changing of his mindset and purpose of Jesus. In fact, to, to repent means literally in the original language just to change your mind because of new knowledge. Like to change the direction you're going because of new knowledge that you've received. John's just been preaching this new knowledge. And, and here's the thing. Why in the world does Jesus need to be baptized? Baptism, at least the way we teach it at White River, is an outward, an outward show of the, the inward change, right? It's a moment to show everybody else, hey, I made this decision and I'm faithfully doing what Jesus asked me what Jesus did, but why? Jesus was perfect. Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. So why would he choose to be baptized? And it's a great question. And I, the first and foremost reason is because this changed from this old way of life to this new way of life. In fact, one theologian put it this way. In accordance with the symbolic significance of the right of denoting death to an old life, Raising to a new, Jesus came to be baptized in the sense of dying to the old natural relations to parents, neighbors, and earthly calling, and devoting himself henceforth to his public messianic vocation. It's this moment of change. It's the moment when Jesus goes from obscurity, like nobody knows his name, nobody knows where he grew up, nobody knows his family, to this point forward, people are going to think different about Jesus. This point forward, now he is going to fulfill God's will. Like I had this moment at the age of 16 where, oh gosh, easy. At 16, I know that, it's a dog whistle. Um, at 16 where like I, I decided to die to the life I'd lived for 15 years and choose to live a different life. This is Jesus, Jesus, I'm done with this obscurity. Now I'm going to do and fulfill what God has desired for me. In fact, uh, the ESV, the NIV, they, they translate this passage a little bit different. It says, uh, in the NLT, it says, for we must carry out all that God requires. The ESV says, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does all righteousness mean? Well, it just basically means to carry out all that God requires. Now, I, I, I like the phrase all righteousness, because that is, he was going to make what was broken right. This is the beginning of that. This is the beginning of Jesus walking that path to the cross to make everything right. And the beginning for him was baptism. And so therefore the beginning for us should be baptism. And the beginning of our faith should be 
accepting him as our Lord and Savior and showing that sign by faithfully being baptized. And that is literally the means by which we start to become more like Jesus. It is exactly what he aligned out for us. As John says over and over, do this because the kingdom of heaven is near. But that was one reason. The other reason I think Jesus was baptized is so that he could relate to us as sinful man. So that he could identify with us. He wasn't asking us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself first. Another quote, this one by Harry Ironside. He, Jesus, who was to take the sinner's place, came to be baptized by John, that he might thereby be identified with the sinners for whom he was to lay down his life. You see, when he was baptized, he allowed, it was allowed him to identify with us as sinful man. It, it allowed him to say, hey, I'm going to do the same thing I'm calling you to do. I'm going to set the example. It's the reason we say here, the second thing that's most important for us in connecting to Jesus is to become more like him. We want you to become more and more like Jesus. And the greatest way to do that is to accept him as your Lord and Savior, be baptized, and begin this life of repentance and pursuit of his will. And so what, what does that look like to become more and more like him? Well, to go back to what John said, repent for the kingdom of his near, is near. Some of us in this room don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I would say a majority of us do, but let me talk to those who don't. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me just, I, I, you are missing out on the greatest thing that's ever happened in human history. You're missing out on something that would uh, take away and alleviate all the worries and things that, that, that you're dealing with in life. You would, you would find a different purpose for your life. Right? And what does it take? It just takes repentance. Listen, you don't have to clean your life. I hear this all the time. You don't know what I've done. I, I don't. Jesus does. He already nailed it to the cross. He already paid for it. Well, I don't know enough about the Bible. Neither do I. And I'm the guy up here talking this morning, right? I, I have spent a whole lot of time in church. In fact, this might be one of the first times I've ever been in church. Like, that's the whole reason we do this. Because we need a savior. You need to be saved. And the only thing that it requires is you to repent and to claim him as your Lord and savior. Romans 9 tells us if we open to clear with our mouth and believe in our heart, that we will be saved. Because when we do that, we proclaim him. We claim him as the one who can save us, who has saved us. And then the thing is, is we don't maybe teach this as much because this isn't as pretty, but he then becomes our Lord. He's the one whom we follow his will. And so today, if you've never done that, like it, all it takes is coming up here and saying, yeah, I believe this, I'm in. Right? And then trusting that the Holy Spirit's gonna help you become more like him. It does not, you don't have to become like him and then be baptized and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Good luck with that. I don't know how you do that without the Holy Spirit's help. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. So let's just do that today. You could start that today. And trust me, you will not regret it. You won't. Because the Holy Spirit's gonna start moving in your life, changing your life, molding you to become more like him. And so I would encourage you, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But what about those like me who accepted Jesus 24 years ago. Well, this is what I want to call you to. 
I want you to understand baptism is a one-time thing. Kiddos, we talk about this sometimes in student ministry. Like, if you've been baptized, you don't need to be baptized again. You know what you need to do if you feel like uh, you're convicted by the Holy Spirit that you're not living life you should be living? Repentance. Repent. Turn Leave whatever it is that's making you feel that way behind and choose to follow his will. Listen, baptism is a one-time thing. Repentance is a daily thing for the life of a believer. If you spend uh, the entire week and wait to, to get to repentance till you have the cup of juice in your hand and the bread in your hand, then we need to extend that time. At least if you're like me, right? Because you're gonna have a whole week to get through. And it's gonna take a little bit of time for you because you're a sinner just like I am. But the truth is, is that every day, that's what we're supposed to do. We're called to get up every single day and repent of the ways in which I pursued what I want and my sinful desires and pursue God's will for my life that day. And in fact, it might have to happen multiple times a day if you're like me, right? It's an every single day occurrence. Matthew 16, 24 says this. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take, excuse me, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake, you will save it. You know, I hear Jesus saying in that, my youth pastor used to say this when he preached this message. He's like, if you're not struggling, you're not growing. If you're not struggling, you're not growing. Like, if you think it's easy to put off your old life, then come let me know after this and you can preach next Sunday, okay? Because <laughs> it ain't easy. <laughs> At least I don't think it's easy. And take up your cross. Like, choose God's will for your life. Like, that, that is not an easy thing to do. That's something that's gonna take devotion, humility, hard work, and daily repentance. Because I don't know about you, when I woke up this morning, I wanted to do what Lance wanted to do, which was go back to bed because I stayed up and watched those miserable cults, okay? Right? It takes daily repentance. It takes coming to the cross over and over and denying ourselves to become more and more like him. And so if you are a follower of Jesus in here, I encourage you every single day to take time to repent. You pray probably every single day. But my question is, do you take time in that prayer to say, God, would you please forgive me for this yesterday? Would you please forgive me for this the last 10 minutes? Be specific. God already knows. It's not like you're hiding anything from him. He already knows. Why does, then why do I gotta be specific? He already knows. Well, why do we as parents be like, What'd you do wrong? Well, I, I just did something bad. What'd you do? Why do we make our kids tell us exactly what they did? Because we want to know they understand. God wants the same for you. I want you to know, you understand, like, I fell short this way, and I need to turn around and go this way. We see it in Jesus. We watched him get baptized and change his focus to God's will. The truth is, is that's what we're called to do in repentance every single day. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you don't know Jesus today, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you know Jesus today, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. 
Be ready. That's the best I got for you as we start 2024. Every day, make it a desire of yours to repent and accept the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and live in it, live in it. Now, this past week, you don't know how we do the, plan these services and stuff, but one of the things we do is Philip, Stephen, and I usually gather right here in this little area on Thursday morning to talk about the last details that we need to iron out before we uh, take Friday as our day off and then hit the weekend and come in here on Sunday. And so as we came, I was still wrestling with message. Uh, and I was like, I think this is where I'm going to end. I'm saying this to myself as I'm walking in and I'm mad because I don't have it locked and loaded yet. That's usually a Wednesday thing. And a Thursday, I feel behind. And I sit down here and I'm still wrestling with it. And we start talking about the message. And, and Philip's like, hey, I don't know how you feel about this, Lance, but I'm really, God's put this on my heart, this song that I think we should sing. Now he had it right before the message. Um, and he, he starts to explain to me that the song that he wants to sing is, is really about this idea of repentance. And the verse that's really sticking out to him is this, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. For when I've gone cold, Lord, I need you, how I need you to awake my soul. And it was like this moment where like I, goosebumps all over my body. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, we're doing this, repentance. I'm like, this is where I was thinking about ending, Philip, and it sounds like we're in the exact same place. So can we flip songs, right? Can we sing this song as a response to the message? Because the truth is we need the Lord. We need to repent before him and then we need his help to become more like him. And so the band's gonna come back out. We're, we're gonna sing this song in response. And what I wanna encourage you towards is this. Maybe you need to stand and sing this song. Maybe you need to stay seated, close your eyes, and spend a little bit more time repenting and asking God to show you what the will he has for you in your life and pursue that. But listen, we're not gonna do this without the Holy Spirit's help. And so I wanna pray over you and ask that the Holy Spirit would help us do this and do this well. 2024, let's repent because we know the kingdom of God is near. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We can't do this alone. We can't save ourselves alone. We can't become more like Jesus alone. We can't do the will of God and fulfill all righteousness alone. So we ask, just like the day that Jesus was baptized and you sent the Holy Spirit to descend and settle on him. We pray that the Holy Spirit would settle on us. Would you allow us to deny ourselves and the life that we desire and that you would help us pursue the one that you have for us? We know it's more fulfilling. We know it's more satisfying. We know that it will bring us peace. And yet every single day we fight that battle. And I just ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit. Would you come guide us, direct us, and lead us. Jesus, we are so very thankful for you. Thanks for setting the example. Thanks for being baptized and calling us to be baptized. God, I pray for those in this room who might not have accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Would they do that today, knowing that you're waiting on them, that you want to live life with them, that you want to be their Savior, and more importantly, the Lord, to guide and direct and walk them through life. For those of us that know you, Jesus, would we repent and continue to become more and more like you for your sake, for your glory, and for your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your powerful and precious name. Amen.